From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. First, a couple of announcements. Last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether he will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice, broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, will be at Rio Cinemas on Sunday, February 18th at 1 p.m. The film will be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A with Tarika Lee, Kristen Rafson, and hopefully Stella Assange. To find out more, go to Google and search for The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, London premiere. Also, there's a COVID litigation conference, part two, happening March 7th and 8th in Las Vegas at the Horseshoe Hotel. People can learn about it and register at covidlitigation.com. Workers are winning reinstatement, back pay, and interest from their mandate cases all across America, even in deep blue districts. Millions more have viable claims, but we need more lawyers in the fast-growing field of civil litigation. Join us at the COVID litigation conference number two and to learn there and also connect with leading practitioners in this legal space. And again, that site was COVID litigation. Uh, Dot com, and they say their mission is clear. It's to make it easier and faster for lawyers to get trained in COVID litigation, enabling them to advocate for those who have suffered unjustly as a result of COVID policies. The stories we hear daily still underscore the pressing need for legal representation for those who have lost jobs, loved ones, their education, their small business, and their health due to a range of unjust and harmful policies. COVIDlitigation.com. With me this hour is Dr. William Makis, who provides in-depth intelligence on COVID-19, sudden deaths, mRNA vaccines, vaccine injuries, new pandemics, and more at makismd.substack.com. That's M-A-K-I-S-M-D.substack.com. He is an expert in radiology, oncology, and immunology, and he ran one of the largest targeted radionuclide therapy cancer clinics in North America, and diagnosed over 10,000 cancer patients with state-of-the-art diagnostics, diagnostics such as PET slash CT. He is a board member of the wellness company Canada, TWC.health, as the chief of nuclear medicine and oncology. And he is the author of over 100 peer-reviewed medical publications. Thank you very much for joining me again, Dr. Makis. How are you today? Well, thank you very much for having me again. Before we dig into the awesome things and information you're posting at makismd.substack.com and also discuss your work with the wellness company, I wanted to ask you, what were you doing when COVID arrived and how has that transformed your life and your career? 
You know, I was embroiled in a legal battle with uh, local healthcare authorities who had sabotaged my cancer program. And so when COVID hit, uh, I was actually um, not in the hospital system. I didn't feel any of the uh, the pressures to follow any of the pandemic measures that were rolled out uh, by the local governments here. I certainly didn't feel any pressure to subject myself to experimental COVID-19 vaccines, for example, when the vaccines were rolled out. And as you know, you know there were mandates of COVID-19 vaccines uh, in Canada. Uh, all healthcare workers in Canada were mandated to take at least two COVID-19 vaccines by October of 2021, or they would lose their jobs. I was not subject to, to that mandate. So I really had freedom. Uh, from the very beginning of the pandemic, I had freedom to objectively look at what was going on with the pandemic realized that the case fatality rate was very, very low, less than 1% for young, healthy adults. It wasn't affecting children. It wasn't affecting the vast majority of adults. I could tell that the populations at risk were people over the age of 70 who were usually in long-term care settings, uh, or if younger people were affected, they usually had at least three or four serious medical conditions, comorbidities. Uh, and so, you know, this was not a pandemic that was affecting uh, young, healthy adults and the vast majority of the population. So I certainly felt no pressure to rush out and subject, you know, myself and my family to an experimental product. And I could objectively look at the risks of these mRNA vaccines, the side effects that, that were going on. And of course, now we're seeing a lot of sudden and unexplained deaths a lot of extremely aggressive cancers. They're being called turbo cancers. Uh, and, and this is now going on for years now since the vaccines were rolled out. And what was, how did that impact you, that, that first year of studying and realizing you, I presume, were seeing something that was not only unprecedented, if not unbelievable, but unbelievably harmful. What did that cause you to do? Well, I didn't realize at first just how harmful the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines were going to be. I knew it was experimental technology because I had encountered this experimental technology, lipid nanoparticles or mRNA, in oncology. They had been trying these products um, in different forms in cancer patients. I'll give you an example. For example, the lipid nanoparticles had been tested uh, they had been loading them with chemotherapy, for example, and trying to treat cancer patients with chemotherapy in lipid nanoparticles, and it simply didn't work. It was dumping chemotherapy all over the place. mRNA had never worked. They had never successfully treated any disease with mRNAs. So I was shocked that this was the go-to technology that was going to be rolled out in millions of people. You know, as an oncologist, I have given experimental treatments to end-stage cancer patients but you never give it to healthy individuals. You never roll out experimental technology, medical technology in, in young, healthy people, certainly never in children, not in pregnant women. So this was absolutely unprecedented. And I realized really from the very beginning of the pandemic that this was all um, you know, pushed by propaganda. This, this, was, this wasn't science, this wasn't medicine, this was propaganda that was being pushed by the mainstream media. It was pushed by public health authorities that I knew to be corrupt from my you know, legal battles uh, before the pandemic. 
these were very corrupt individuals who were pushing these pandemic measures. Uh, and really, it seems like all proper medicine and science was just being thrown out the window to push a certain agenda and certain pharmaceutical products on the population. You said that you were, uh, it sounded like you were not seeing patients. All you said was you were involved with some litigation, I believe. Is that right? When COVID happened and uh, appeared? That's right. So, so I was still conducting research. I was still publishing papers, uh, but I wasn't seeing patients at the time. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the hospital uh, and I was, you know, involved in extensive litigation with, with the local provincial uh, health authorities. But that allowed me uh, really a, an objective assessment of what was going on because I saw how my colleagues in oncology, in radiology were reacting to the pandemic and they were reacting with fear. Uh, they were really not thinking things through. They were they were not assessing the COVID vaccines, the technology of the COVID vaccines, for example. And they were certainly not seeing the vaccine injuries once the vaccines were being rolled out. Um, they and and if if they were seeing the vaccine injuries, they were certainly not allowed to talk about them because the health authorities and the colleges of physicians and the medical boards then cracked down on the doctors and silenced them very early on, threatened them, made sure that the doctors could not give proper informed consent to their patients and could not talk about the vaccine injuries that they were seeing. When I've talked to doctors, scientists, and nurses, I get the impression, and I talk to those like you who have had to walk away and their conscience has compelled them to share all they know about how wrongheaded and harmful all the official prognostications and requirements have been. And they, to a person, tell me, Bruce, no, it's not 10% that have rebelled or have stood up or, or refused or said no. It's, it's as little as 2 or 3%. How would you evaluate the number of folks like you in positions like yours who followed their conscience with some courage to say no and to start spreading the word about truths. It's actually, I would say, an even lower percentage than that. It's probably maybe one in a thousand doctors has stood up and uh, has really defended their Hippocratic Oath, has defended patients. We know that doctors who attempted to treat their COVID patients with early treatments uh, you know, when the when the vaccines were not available, treatments such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, other early treatments, we know that those doctors, uh, there, there weren't many of them, there were quite a few of them, uh, only a few of them, but they were targeted. Uh, and, and they're being persecuted to this day. Uh, you know, you have Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, world renowned cardiologist who is still being persecuted to this day, Dr. James mm -hmm. Thorpe, Dr. Ryan Cole, uh, Dr. Simon Gold, um, you know, I can, you know, give you a whole list yeah. of doctors in the United States and Canada who've been persecuted for trying to treat their patients, for example. And then, of mm -hmm. course, we have the the big elephant in the room, which is the COVID-19 vaccines, the vaccine injuries. And I started speaking out about the dangers of the COVID vaccines in the middle of 2021. In August of 2021, I started speaking about the COVID vaccine booster failure in Israel because that was the first country. Israel was the first country where physicians like myself who are looking objectively at these vaccines, these products, saw that the vaccines had failed. The first two doses had failed to protect the population 
Israel was the first country in the world to roll out the booster shots. So that was the third shot. And within a month of the rollout of the booster program, they had the highest case rate of COVID-19 infections in the world. So the boosters had failed in Israel very, very early on. And this was before the boosters were rolled out in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, New Zealand. And I saw the, the health authorities were just pushing ahead aggressively with these failed products. We were already seeing myocarditis. We were already seeing athletes collapsing on the field. But the health authorities were so blindly and aggressively pushing these products. Um, it was really quite scary. And that's when I started speaking out online. Then, of course, we saw an aggressive push to get these vaccines into kids, children mm -hmm. 12 to 19. Then they moved on to children 5 to 11. And now we know that, you know, they're giving the vaccines to babies as young as six months old. And there's already hundreds of children who have died after taking Pfizer or Moderna COVID vaccines. And yet these products still remain on the market. And Dr. Thorpe has recently given public presentations and told me on my show a couple of weeks ago that he has seen data that shows worldwide half a billion people injured or having an adverse effect from the vaccines and up to 17 million deaths. Are those figures you're aware of or what are the figures you're aware of of injured and dead? I am I am aware of those figures. Uh, I know that some of that work, especially on the 17 million figure, that has been done by a PhD, Dr. Dennis Rancourt, who has analyzed mm -hmm. the excess death data in a number of countries. You can even look at the um, the various uh, adverse event reporting systems. So, for example, you've got the U.S. VAERS reporting system. Of course, there's tens of thousands of deaths. I think it's over a million injuries now. And on the, the WHO has an adverse event reporting system called WHO VG Access. And in that database, there are over 5 million adverse events reported. And we know that the, you know, these are underreported by a factor of anywhere from 30 to 100. So you have to multiply by 30 to 100 because not every injury gets reported. So there are a vast number of injuries and deaths uh, caused by these vaccines. And, and unfortunately, um, you know, they should have been taken off the market a long time ago. They should have been taken off the market back in January or February of 2021 when we started seeing a flood of adverse mm -hmm. events reported to the VAERS reporting system. Yes, and it's, in, it's just mind-boggling to me when I encounter mainstream media to still see the ads bragging about safe and effective, and it's just... Uh, to just see the continued push to put these things in the veins of innocent people. With me is Dr. William Makis, and we are talking about vital and incredible information necessary for those to make informed decisions about how to deal with the onslaught of messaging encouraging us to get injections that are causing huge harm and death. And now here is important information from TNT Radio. TNT's Misty Winston. The Australian Parliament recently, I think it was yesterday, passed a motion 86 
to 42. Uh, it was put by independent MP Andrew Wilkie, who is a longtime very vocal supporter of Julian Assange. Uh, and this was about, it said that the incarceration for extradition of Julian Assange has gone on for too long. The UK and USA should bring the matter to a close so that Mr. Assange can return home to his family. Um, and Wilkie tweeted out, I successfully moved a motion to recognize the importance of bringing Julian Assange's extradition to an end. The government voted for it in an unprecedented show of political support for Julian. The U.S. must heed these calls and drop the extradition. And that is uh, unbelievable, kind of. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. Next week, next month, next month, and then on to the next week. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. Please support us. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www.freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Dr. William Makis, we, picking up where we just left off, the incredible numbers and the, uh, the data from particularly Dr. Denis Rancourt. Um, how well do you know him? And do you have off the top of your head a, a link or a website where folks can see what he is posting? You know, I haven't had a chance to meet him. Um, I know that he he's a Canadian PhD, uh, very highly respected. Uh, I hope to meet him at at you know at a future uh, upcoming conference. Uh, I will be at uh, CPAC, for example, and um, in about a week or so in Washington D.C. I will be uh, doing a couple of speeches at CPAC, small speeches, but uh, so um, you know, I I do hope to to meet these. Uh, these incredible individuals who are doing this this kind of work and heavy lifting you know i have been reporting sudden deaths these these this phenomenon of died suddenly i've been reporting it every day over the past year or so and i've reported about 5000 cases 
of sudden and unexplained deaths of young people, mostly in the United States, but also Canada, Australia, UK, Ireland. Um, and, and, you know, he really, you know, gives sort of that broad perspective. We may be seeing, you know, around 17 million deaths uh, from these COVID-19 vaccines. I look at the ground level, you know, what is killing these, these young vaccinated individuals? What kind of issues are they suffering from? And, and that's what I've been focused on for the past year. You alluded to an awareness of corruption uh, in the medical systems that you were working in before COVID. Are they germane to this? Do they, did they help prepare you in any way? Are they worth uh, explaining a little bit to me what that is, or is that off topic? Well, I can tell you that uh, the corruption that I had encountered before the COVID-19 pandemic um, really translated once COVID hit because the bureaucrats that were in charge of administering healthcare uh, in Canada and the United States as well, these bureaucrats have been involved in corrupt activities before the pandemic. It's just that when the pandemic hit, we saw the corruption rise to the surface and everyone got a chance to see just how much corruption there is in medicine, how much corruption there is in science the money that is behind some of this corruption of course for example the the funds that are granted by certain agencies you know you, you really have to be in line with big pharma and what big pharma wants and we saw that during the COVID 19 pandemic you know you had big pharma suppression of ivermectin i mean we saw it through the fda when the fda came out on twitter and said you know you're not a horse you're not a cow uh, stop taking ivermectin you know and and they they tried to be comical about it but that was really the fda interfering in the practice of medicine uh in a very corrupt corrupt manner because ivermectin was used by by a number of physicians to save thousands of lives during the pandemic and yet here they were calling it a horse dewormer and trying to dissuade people from from taking an an fda approved product that was safer this was one of the safest drugs really on the market had won the nobel prize in medicine and would have helped many would have helped save many lives uh, that were needlessly lost during the pandemic so this this corruption had existed before the pandemic it just came to the surface so it prepared me uh to really question everything that was coming out of these health authorities and not take it on blind faith yes and if i'm correct tell me my memory tells me what i studied is that ivermectin was this robust and effective thing to use for for a covid type thing for, for 70 years do i have the, the the time span right well it had been um, it had been um discovered uh in japan i believe um not as long as, as 70 years that you're thinking more i think hydroxychloroquine hydroxychloroquine okay. has been used i think for about you know five decades Ivermectin, I believe, was discovered um, in the 1980s, I believe. But, um, you know, it was a very powerful antiparasitic, but it was known that Ivermectin had anti strong antiviral properties. That is That was in the literature before the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So it was perfectly reasonable, knowing mm -hmm. that it had antiviral properties, it was very reasonable for people to, you know, to apply and use it in COVID-19 patients. And, and there are many studies that showed, you know, significant efficacy, sometimes 60%, 70%, 80%, depending on the study. 
uh, and it really saved lives. And and the fact that it was viciously attacked by the by big pharma and these these three letter agencies in the United States, but it was also attacked in Canada by our public health authorities. You know, we had recommendations from our largest health authority in Canada, Alberta Health Services, to not use ivermectin, to not use hydroxychloroquine. And all they would say is, well, there's not enough evidence that it works. But doctors were persecuted for trying to help their patients. And this is something that we had never seen before. And that situation in America and Canada with the most uh, illustrious and forceful people in power and institutions of power lying and covering up to force something uh, to to force horrible outcomes on it on us proves to me at least the capture uh, and the blending of corporate and state power which is to historically a good definition of fascism along the lines of i equate our situation to what germany went through in the 1930s leading up to world war ii the house is on fire and yet i want to ask you your thoughts about that analogy, but more importantly, what is your impression of the current state of awakening, the current resistance, the current pushback, the current pressure on representatives in your country and in mine, and the hope that this elephant in the room is about to, you know, come out from undercover and it'll soon be a mainstream topic of conversation. What are your thoughts about all those things? Well, in terms of the the idea of of this fascism and this marriage of corporatism or corporations with with the power of the state, uh, you know, we 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 saw many elements of this during the pandemic in the field of medicine and in the field of science as well. In the field of medicine, I can tell you, doctors were threatened to not treat their patients with you know these early treatments, and that was done so that the the experimental COVID vaccines, mRNA vaccines, could get emergency authorization and be rolled out in the entire population. Otherwise, there would have been no emergency authorization and they couldn't have pushed these experimental genetic products on the entire population. So we had that interference uh, from the medical authorities in how doctors could treat their patients, but it was much worse than that because we lost the concepts of bodily autonomy. And so we saw mandates and, and the mandating of these experimental products to me was illegal. It was a violation of all the medical, all the established medical ethics since World War II. Um, and um, so loss of, of bodily autonomy, loss of informed consent. Doctors were not allowed to describe the, the risks and benefits of the vaccines. They were only allowed to talk about the benefits, not the risks. So and and a complete loss of you know of the Hippocratic oath the uh, you know the the do no harm concept as well. But we saw vaccine passports, for example. So now this was a marriage of of medicine and this sort of surveillance state. You know, this show your papers to to go into a McDonald's or to go into a restaurant. People were not allowed to go into restaurants. Again, aspects of medical fascism in Canada, for example. We saw uh, people were restricted from traveling. So um, there were 6 million unvaccinated Canadians that were not allowed to, to go on a plane or a train to travel within their own country. I mean, this was an Iron Curtain, the likes of which we, we, you know, we haven't seen since the Iron Curtain of the Soviet communist era. And I think the big element of, of fascism was the censorship, the, the extreme censorship that we saw of the media, social media specifically, 
So vaccine injured were not allowed to tell their stories on Facebook, on YouTube, on Google. They would lose their accounts, even on Twitter. I was one of the accounts that was censored and terminated in 2022 when I raised concerns about the dangers of vaccinating kids with these mRNA vaccines. My account was terminated within hours when I said that these products shouldn't be used in children five to 11 years old. And then we went on to learn that over 11,000 accounts were censored and terminated on Twitter because of COVID-19 misinformation or what was called misinformation um, by the previous Twitter management. And it was only because of a single billionaire, Elon Musk, when he acquired Twitter for $44 billion and opened the platform back to free speech that we had free speech back. People don't realize that all the other platforms are extremely heavily censored. I've been threatened on Instagram. I've been threatened on Facebook. I've had my videos deleted off YouTube, and I've been threatened even by LinkedIn. You know, this sort of business Facebook that, that a lot of people use for, for their jobs. You know, I had a few postings there, and I was viciously threatened by LinkedIn management as well to not post anything COVID or vaccine related. So we, I think that censorship is a very large element of this sort of fascism or this totalitarianism uh, that we experienced during the pandemic. Now you're talking about the, the awakening and how far along are we in this awakening process. I, I think we're making significant progress. Uh, I can see a huge difference in terms of the discussion compared to even a year ago of the vaccine harms, the dangers of the WHO pandemic treaty, for example, um, you know, the uselessness of masks, um, you know, the uselessness of lockdowns or masking children or closing schools and all these things that did more harm than good and really didn't work at all. Uh, people are talking about this freely on Twitter or X on this platform. Um, and, uh, you know, there are many independent media now that are rising, like TNT Radio, for example, um, that are really bringing real news and real content, uncensored content uh, to people. And that's what people want. People don't want censorship. They don't want authoritarianism. Um, so I've seen a huge progress in that. And I think we're, we're reaching a, a critical point where I believe a lot of these topics that doctors and scientists were banned or censored before are really going to hit the mainstream. I think we're almost there. And you you cover so much of this again on your Substack, makeusmd.substack.com. And last year is when you first started publishing on um, Substack, I believe. And it was also last year that you partnered up with the wellness company. If you don't mind, let's unpack uh, what you're doing there. Or first, you know, what is the mission, purpose, and great things that the wellness company is making available to people? The wellness company was formed uh, with a group of doctors, or freedom-minded doctors, and that is what one of the things that sets the wellness company apart is that they have actually brought on board doctors, you know, high-quality doctors, competent doctors who really saw through all the propaganda and who are not beholden to the pharmaceutical industry in any way whatsoever. So you have, you know, the chief science officer. Uh, for the wellness company, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, you know, world-renowned doctor who's been really uh, a freedom-fighting doctor, who's been fighting for his patients uh, and fighting to expose, you know, not just the corruption in the medical establishment, 
proper assessment of the literature, but also, you know, the dangers of things like the lockdowns, masking, COVID vaccines, and so on. And of course, the WHO pandemic treaty as well. You know, so uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was one of the first doctors brought on uh, on board with the Wellness Company. Um, I was brought on in April of last year. I was I was offered the opportunity, and I was I was uh, more than happy to accept to provide my expertise in cancer and oncology. And that is my that is my strength. That is my expertise. I have over a hundred publications, first author publications, most of them in international peer reviewed medical journals. Uh, regarding cutting-edge cancer diagnostics and cancer treatments. So I provide advice on the medical board uh, with respect to things like cancer. But of course, we all work together. Uh, Dr. James Thorpe is a recent addition to the wellness company. Dr. Harvey Reich uh, from Yale, also uh, one of the early members um, of, of the wellness company. And, and so really, we work together. We collaborate uh, the wellness company provides um, some very high quality supplements to, to those who've been vaccine injured. For example, the spike support formula, which has natokinase, which is an enzyme derived from soybeans discovered in Japan that breaks down the spike protein, breaks down blood clots, which is what a lot of vaccinated people suffer from, and also breaks down amyloid proteins and prion proteins, which are some of the abnormal proteins that are found in the sequence of the vaccine, the spike protein sequence, the mRNA sequence, and that some, some people actually produce those abnormal proteins that cause a lot of diseases. Uh, things like early dementia, for example, all kinds of neurological diseases, uh, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, also known as you know, mad cow disease or prion disease uh, that people are suffering from. Uh, these bizarre blood clots that we're seeing, that these, these long white rubbery blood clots uh, that embalmers have been reporting about that some of the vaccinated are suffering from again could be an an, an accumulation of abnormal proteins uh, and so the wellness company has tried to provide some relief to those who've been vaccine injured to those who suffer from long COVID, because i do believe long COVID exists and and some people do suffer from sort of a chronic COVID infection that has damaged their internal organs um, and uh, people who suffer from shedding, for example, you know, who may be unvaccinated, but they're around, they spend time around vaccinated people uh, who, if they've been recently vaccinated, they might be shedding some of these lipid nanoparticles with mRNA. Some people react very strongly to it. The wellness company, you know, provides a product to help you with that as well. And, and, and so, you know, the goal is to really uh, provide healthcare. They're also offering telehealth services as well. They offer emergency kits. Uh, if you find yourself in emergency situations, it's really to, to provide an alternative options other than what big pharma provides and what doctors who are beholden to big pharma are forced to provide, which is the drugs that big pharma um, pushes on, on the population. So we know that, you know, big pharma now there's big interest for big pharma in getting into cancer, pushing all kinds of cancer drugs. Um, and for example, blood thinners, uh, drugs that damage the heart and so on, they, they're all they care about is making money. TWC wants to actually help people. Yes, the wellness company found at TWC.health. Um, when we come back, Dr. Mikas, I wanna talk about particularly turbo cancers for a start. Here now is important information from TNT. Give me a minute. 
with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. By now, you probably heard all about the two police officers in New York City's Times Square that were beaten by a gang of illegal thugs. Four of them were arrested and released on bail, and they're now headed to California, and they're probably there by the border of Mexico already. But there's more to this. Stuff we haven't heard yet until now. There is this one percenter, you know, criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here. These individuals, I went over their rap sheets yesterday. Multiple charges, grand larceny, robbery, attempted robbery, grand larceny, grand larceny. Uh, This particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Uh, One of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. That's CNN's John Miller. He's a former NYPD deputy commissioner, and he wasn't finished. I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York, do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Keep us posted on this. this is- the silence of the CNN anchors says it all. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. This is World Stage with Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And with me is Dr. William Makis, whom everyone should follow at makismd.substack.com, M-A-K-I-S-M-D.substack.com. Dr. Makis, is there more you would add to conclude a little segment right now about the wellness company that we were just talking about, or shall I go on to another question? You know, I just, uh, I would urge people to check out the wellness company website, twc.health, and and see what the wellness company has to offer. Look at who is part of the wellness company. Look at the names uh, who are involved. You know, there's the American board, there's the Canadian board. I'm on the Canadian board uh, providing advice for oncology, but also just for COVID vaccine injuries in general. So please have a look at that website. Yes, and and I personally just became an affiliate, and I'm not going to give my code out until I buy my first uh, product or avail myself of the first services at the wellness company, but I can't wait. But my question to you is, for the sake of someone I know who's having strange, ongoing, like two or three months, very specific weird symptoms of ringing in her ears and blockages in her ears and things like that, when folks go to twc.health, is it is it easy to walk someone who with symptoms who just wants to see uh to, to get either get you know seen or treated by either telehealth or particularly is could what she's enduring be symptoms of the results of shedding from people she was around who were vaccinated well it depends depends on the vaccine history of of the individual and and so anyone who's had a covid-19 vaccine Unfortunately, what we're finding is that people are still at risk for developing all kinds of side effects, even you know years after uh, their initial doses that they've taken or, or the booster shots that they've taken. You know, the booster shots came out at the end of 2021. Uh, so you know, 
the vaccine status is of course very important but if you react to shedding as well you know it, it, it's the same approach to dealing mm -hmm. with uh you know your reaction to this toxic product and yes uh, the wellness company offers telehealth services in the united states uh we're having some difficulties in canada it hasn't been rolled out in canada yet or other countries but 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 the wellness company is working on it expanding those telehealth services yes and i'm so impressed with what i've learned about the company and the people like you and who also who you've mentioned that i would recommend it for folks to go there with any kind of symptoms as an alternative to plugging into the mainstream medical uh system you mentioned you're going to be speaking at CPAC. That's the Conservative Political Action Committee. That's Is that right. right. Is that the first time? What's your allure there? What's intriguing about it? Is it exciting that such and is this their one of their two or three most prominent meetings during a year? Tell me as much as you can about that, please. So there is uh, there's actually a a conference called the International Crisis Summit that is being held uh, in conjunction with with CPAC and on the same location, uh, and so within this International Crisis Summit, it's International Crisis Summit Five. Uh, there are some really incredible uh, individuals that will be speaking. About fifty individuals from around the world. Um, I can give you an example: Dr. Robert Malone will be speaking uh, at this International Crisis Summit doing a presentation. Uh, Mr. Ed Dowd, who, you know, former BlackRock hedge fund manager who has been, you know, uh, giving um, information about the excess deaths and the died suddenly phenomenon as well. Um, there will be politicians, uh, Christine Anderson from the European Parliament. Uh, so there will be a number of amazing individuals, scientists, uh, Kevin McKernan, who discovered the DNA contamination in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, will be speaking. Um, so this is a this is an incredible event that is being held in conjunction with with CPAC uh, on location at the same location. Uh, and so you know people can uh, look that up and and sort of uh, try to access that if they can't go in person, they could always watch it uh, live streamed um, over the internet. And before I ask you about terrible cancers, I what is your uh, how do you describe the politi politicization of the response to COVID? Or is it at this point? I would probably go through it like a like a rhinoceros through a brick wall. It doesn't matter, Bruce. Is what I'm telling myself to answer my own question. This particularly, those who follow and obey the official uh, recommendations over the last couple of years, typically were proud Democrats and Biden supporters. And if you brought up any of the things that I'm constantly bringing up and asking people like you, the realities of the COVID and the injection nightmare, too many threw me under the bus and just said, well, you must be a Trump loving uh, Republican. And yet I'm so beyond that. But I wanted to ask your take on that since you've been invited to speak at CPAC. Well, I can tell you that, you know, the the Democrats in the United States, the liberals, the Justin Trudeau liberals in Canada, because they're not really liberals, it's it's it, they've gone so far left as to not really be recognizable as liberals anymore uh, in Canada. Um, and, and generally left wing, you know, political uh, parties in the United Kingdom and Australia and so on, they were the most extreme with the most author authoritarian measures during the COVID-19 pandemic. They all supported mandatory vaccination which fortunately you know we really weren't subjected to 
in North America. Uh, they supported vaccine passports, which was basically show your papers or you don't get in to various venues. So again, we talked about that earlier as a form of fascism or totalitarianism. And so the left supported all of these extreme measures, uh, very, very pushy on the, the pharmaceuticals uh, and the experimental pharmaceuticals. You know, you don't expect uh, in the past, you didn't expect the left to be so pro big pharma. You know, and yet that that's what has happened is they've fully embraced this, um, you know, this totalitarian push that we saw during the COVID-19 pandemic. But we did see a little bit of that on the conservative side as well. And so I think it, this is beyond really politics uh, for me, uh, because, you know, we had a conservative province here in Canada that rolled out, um, you know, vaccinations in babies as young as six months old and vaccine passports and and of course restricted travel and so on so uh, to me this is beyond politics obviously mm -hmm. the left-wing political parties were the worst and mm -hmm. and the most abusive in my opinion but but really this is about this is more than just politics this is about you know medical freedom medical ethics which we lost during the pandemic and that we're going to have to find a way to to recover yes and and i'm constantly addressing myself to those who are uh, still believing the mainstream or just on the fence. And it's just beautiful to be able to refer them to makeusmd.substack to encourage folks to look at the what they can find medically and research-wise. And your Substack is a great door to that and to think for themselves and to transcend it. Uh, and it's not think of it as a, as a political thing whatsoever. Now to... The turbo cancers, which are at least through my news feeds, because I could be in a silo. So many of us are, you know, I, I get my uh, convictions often reinforced by the many things that I can click into. But tell me from your decades of expertise on, in oncology and cancer studies, what is the impact of the injections in cancers. What is happening with the cancer rates these days? What do you see going on? The cancer rates are skyrocketing. Uh, we are seeing extremely aggressive cancers in younger and younger people. Uh, this is being admitted uh, even in the mainstream media. Now, of course, they will say we have no idea what's causing it and, and why it's happening. But the cancers have really skyrocketed since the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines. and. There is this phenomenon called turbo cancer, which describes very aggressive cancers arising in someone who has had at least one COVID-19 vaccine. This is a brand new phenomenon, a new pathophysiology specific to the COVID-19 vaccines. Now, I believe it's specific to the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. It's the lipid nanoparticle mRNA platform that is associated with turbo cancer. Um, and why why is it called turbo cancer? Because these cancers grow extremely rapidly. They grow so rapidly that by the time a person who's been COVID vaccinated realizes that there's something wrong, that they should go see the doctor. Once they're presenting to the doctor, their vast majority of the time, the cancer is already at stage four. And this is a phenomenon that we really haven't seen before where the vast majority of the presentations are stage four, which means that the cancer has already started spreading either to local tissues or, or distant tissues. And so oncologists end up in a panic. They see these cases and they try to do their best 
you know, they'll, if surgery is possible, they try to do surgical excision of the tumor, and then they realize shortly afterwards when they do imaging that the cancer has already spread, that you cannot contain it with surgery. Then they try the standard chemotherapy regimens, and the cancer usually doesn't respond. And it doesn't respond to standard chemotherapy, radiation therapy, or even new cutting-edge immunotherapy treatments. Uh, these tumors usually just continue to grow rapidly and spread, uh, and they're they're quite fatal. The prognosis is very poor. In the most cases that I've reported, uh, the patients will usually die within six to twelve months of diagnosis. That's the most common time frame. Uh, but I have seen deaths within weeks, days, or even hours of diagnosis of these turbo cancers. And so these are cancers. You know, I'm seeing them in in teenagers. I'm seeing them in people in their twenties, thirties. You know, university students, college students young people that and the types of cancers we've never seen before in young people so for example you'll see a 19 year old girl presenting with stage 4 breast cancer and there's no genetic abnormality that is something we've never seen before or we will see a, someone a woman or a man in their 20s or 30s presenting with stage 4 colon cancer again something we have never seen before uh, bile duct cancer, which is a cancer of people in their 60s, 70s. Now there's people in their 20s presenting with stage 4 bile duct cancer, for example. And so this is something that I've never seen in my career. I've diagnosed over 20,000 cancer patients with various imaging modalities. I've published over 100 publications in international journals. I have never seen cancer behave like this. This really is a brand new phenomenon that we're dealing with. And my impression is that before this, stage four was something that would take, I don't know, what would be the past usual number of months or time before someone was at stage four? I know these are gross generalities, and I'm lumping all cancers in this question. How would you answer, try to answer Bruce's maybe not so perfect question? If you take cancers like breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, these are generally slow-growing cancers Again, just giving averages, that would take years. It would take many years for that cancer to eventually progress to stage four, which is why we do screenings for colon cancer, which is why we do screenings for breast cancer so that or cervical cancer so that we can pick them up at stage one. And oncologists have time to treat it early and make, you know, before it spreads. It's just not possible to do it with these turbo cancers because they grow so rapidly. And the cancers that I've seen, the top five cancers that are showing up in COVID vaccinated individuals, I can give you what those types are. The top five types are lymphomas, brain cancers, the glioblastomas, extremely aggressive. And then you have breast cancer, colon cancer, and lung cancer. And these are the ones that are exploding in vaccinated individuals, young people. Then you have leukemias, which are cancers of the blood. And these are the most aggressive ones you can get and, and very unfortunate situation if you've been vaccinated and you know you, you feel sick, you go to emergency room and you're diagnosed with a leukemia. I've reported cases on my Substack where these people died within days or even hours of being diagnosed with an extremely aggressive leukemia, you know, following COVID vaccinations. Uh, just absolutely horrific, shocking cases. Are you are you describing cumulative cases in which country or countries so i have i have described cases in all the countries that have 
had a very aggressive rollout of COVID-19 vaccines, specifically mRNA vaccines. So this is, I'm describing cases mainly in the United States, but also Canada, UK, Australia, Ireland. These are the main countries that I've been describing, New Zealand as well. Um, but I have described cases in the Philippines. Um, I have described cases in Japan as well. Japan is one of the most mRNA vaccinated countries in the world, for example. And But I'll tell you another feature of these, these turbo cancers. And, and I am seeing them in areas where there was COVID vaccine mandates. So where did we see vaccine mandates? Where were people forced to take these injections? University and college students. And that is where you see an explosion of cancers, university and college students who are mandated vaccines or they would be kicked out of their program. This is why we're seeing cancers in late teens and early 20s. Then you see the vaccinated professions, doctors, nurses, all kinds of healthcare workers, teachers. I think teachers have been hit probably the hardest with uh, these cancers. Police officers, firefighters, military, any, any COVID vaccine mandated profession is seeing an explosion of these turbo cancers. And I, I just, it's just calls for folks to go to the wellness company because I, you know, twc.health. And I'm absolutely overwhelmed right now because my next question would be your thoughts of, and this almost would, would slow down someone like you and me who's just trying to find and bring truth to more eyes and ears. But the question, the speculation, if not the conviction, is what does this say, such a coordinated thing happening in so many countries, about the intent to harm and and eliminate huge numbers of us? What where what do you say to, to that speculation or your thoughts about that? In my opinion, there's clearly an intent to harm, and there was an intent to harm, especially when it came to the vaccine mandates, because vaccine mandates made no sense scientifically. Uh, they were extremely unethical. I believe they were illegal. Uh, you know, you had university students who were not even on campus. They were taking courses from home, and they forced them to be COVID vaccinated. So definitely maliciousness. And I will also say another thing. Every major vaccine manufacturer, Pfizer, Biotech, Moderna, and J&J, &J, they are all getting into the cancer business. They're spending yes. billions of dollars acquiring uh, companies that are making cancer drugs, and they're all doing it right now. They're positioning themselves for a tsunami of cancers. They know something that we don't. Please follow, follow Dr. William Makus at makusmd.substack. And if you have a suggestion for a possible guest that you would like to hear on TNT, perhaps a topic you feel we should discuss, we want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT website. Help us make a difference on today's news talk, TNT. Dr. Makis, besides, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just going to thank you. We, you know, we've got time for you to, to, to you know, your final thoughts in just a few seconds, sir. 